extraordinary development of the seven-pronged approach to living mm. with the psychological mm. side of cancer as well. Mm-hmm. Um, your big C reattitudes philosophy. Mm-hmm. Let, let's discuss mm-hmm. that. That sounds to be yeah. something so impactful, beneficial, mm-hmm. and so important in our lives. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, indeed, indeed, indeed. In life, and, and certainly applicable um, for my cancer patients. But as you stated, in life in general. So I developed the Big Theory Attitudes to really address the psychological toxicities that are experienced by my cancer patients. And in practicing for multiple years, I realized that these toxicities were not being addressed. And I I actually, after, hmm, after much rumination, I came to the conclusion that there were certain algorithms that I was not really formally, I did not have a formal name for that, but because of my experience with the two physicians as I spoke about earlier, I I realized that 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 really was informing me, which is why I made that statement, right, about the revelation. It comes later, right? So I was practicing this, but I did not have a formal name for it. And so I really dedicated some time trying to formalize and just dig deep into how I could uh, collate all of these elements. And so once I was able to do so, I recognized that there were actually seven elements. And so it's called the Big C Reattitude because, of course, the Big C is cancer. And then the re, that's actually the embodiment. This is how the it is enacted. And the attitudes are the elements that I want to foster, inspire uh, in my patients, right, or cultivate in my patients. And so the re-attitudes are, I have an acronym. It's actually his lamp, H-I-S-L-A-M-P. And so the H is for hope, the I is for identity, the S is for self-worth, L is for life, and the A is for admiration, M is for mind, and P is for purpose. So those are the elements. So the re which is really the execution or the inaction of such, right? That's the restoration of hope, the reclamation of identity, the reacclamation or the restoration of self-worth. And then the lamp, the L, is reappraisal of life, a requited, requited admiration, M, rehabilitation of the mind, and for the P, reignition of purpose. So those are the seven elements, and um, I'm not sure if anyone listening is spiritual or religious or a believer, but seven is known in the Bible as the number of completion, right? Now, interestingly enough, I did not have that acronym when I formulated this algorithm, 
and I was just thinking about how I could improve upon it, and I saw the words, his lamp. Uh, it was about 2.30 in the morning. That's usually when I'm mostly active and delving in my thoughts about how I can improve uh, patient care, cancer care, etc. And I thought about the verse in the Bible which states fairly, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And so in my book, Higher Ground, uh, once I explain the Reattitude, I actually quote that scripture because that is the scripture that occurred to me directly after I recognized that these elements actually represent or can be represented by the acronym HISLAMP. And so I, 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 I instill these reattitudes in my patients, but you see, it, it's, it's not really a set formula, so to speak, because as you can imagine, my patients present at different stages in their lives and in their actual acknowledgement of their diagnosis, right? Uh, so it, it's at the stages of grief, right? And Every patient is different. They're presenting really packaged in their past, their present, and, of course, what they hope for their future, right? But that's how I see my patients. So I don't see my patients as just, you know, a patient with the diagnosis of cancer that I need to treat. I'm well equipped with that knowledge to treat them, but I cannot just treat the disease, you see. I have to treat what also affects them surrounding the disease, right? So it's not just the disease, but it's in the periphery, right? These are the things that they have to deal with in addition to the diagnosis. And there are actually studies that show that when we, that psychological toxicities actually, or the psychological state of a patient can affect the outcome. And of course, they're confounding factors. For example, if a patient is, is anxious or fearful, maybe because they had a family member who underwent treatment and was, and, you know, expired, then they are very, they are, they have a heightened level of anxiety, right? So I do have to address them where they are. So every patient is different. And so it's a customized approach, therefore. And so what I do, in addition to just explaining the treatment algorithm, I, I need to go beyond that by first ascertaining what they think about the disease, where they are psychologically, and, of course, that doesn't happen in one setting, right? I mean, there are several, several visits, uh, and it really depends on the patient how open they are to express these things, right? Uh, I can tell you, for example, I had a patient who was really not uh, very uh, – he was quite reticent to proceed with radiation. And after uh, eliciting more information about his home life, etc., I realized that there were 
confounding factors with, without saying much else or divulging much information. And I then organized a team to address these issues so that it would be much easier for him to be more compliant with treatment. And so once that burden was relieved, then he was no longer as anxious. Of course, he's anxious about the diagnosis and he's fearful about the treatment and its effects, et cetera, the side effects, which they all have to deal with as well. It's not just for the cancer, but the toxicity from the treatment. But once that was settled, he was then able to breathe and just deal with the treatment at hand. And so that's just one example. Mm, I love that. I love that. Thank you. So, you know, in addition to um, reaching patients, your way of treatment mm-hmm. really does mm-hmm. reach families. Uh, what mm-hmm. are some of the things you, you tell them or that they might tell you about dealing with a loved one who has cancer? You know, mm-hmm. I think I heard mm-hmm. something about, of course, making plans and having mm-hmm. a future and things of that nature as well. Yes, yes, indeed. So it really ties into the big C attitudes, right? So I can answer that question by uh, giving you another example, just just explicating, you know, the the path that sometimes we have to take to get to um, the patient's vulnerable. Um, Aside, every patient has that vulnerability that they don't want to be exposed, right? And so uh, I have uh, a patient who, for example, um, he was very stoic initially and had a prognosis that was not um, very, very good. Uh, And his wife accompanied him to all of his sessions for treatment, and I am always interested in the family dynamics. So, of course, the first thing I do is I run into how the patient is doing, but I also want to delve into how the spouse is coping. I ask about support system. How are you dealing with this? Do you have friends, et cetera? Because what we have to understand is that the, everyone is going through this. Now, the patient is the one that is undergoing the treatment, et cetera, and is facing their mortality. But, you know, it's not just the spouse isn't distant from all this, and it affects the entire family. So I usually address that with the spouse or any family member who accompanies them. But this particular couple had a son, a young son in his 20s, and uh, he was never at the appointment, so I inquired further. I wanted to know... Uh, how he was spending his time. And because, you know, uh, when you're an adolescent or, um, you know, a a young adult, you you cope with these things differently. So he was spending a lot of time with his friends. They, They weren't quite sure how he was actually coping, but obviously one of the ways was to not spend much time at home. Now here's the thing. Uh, that that's not necessarily um, healthy for two reasons, because there will be regrets in the future if you're not, hmm, once he becomes old, when he's older and he reflects, 
right? So um, having the experience that I have had, which actually informed how I treat my patients, actually with my experience with my mom, I knew that it was very important. So I then encouraged the, the father to, you know, engage in certain activities uh, with the son and also to encourage him to accompany him to some of the sessions just to get a sense of how uh, he is coping with the diagnosis and what he has to go through so that he is, the son is aware that all and all the family members are aware of what their, what the cancer patient actually has to endure. Because I think there is some intimacy there that needs to be established, some closeness that in the end, even if it is not a positive outcome, there will be yeah. a lesson from that. Because what, what I understand about this process is there is preparation for purpose. And even right. if the patient's even if the patient's prognosis is slim, as I have experienced, my my experience was a preparation for my purpose. And so I can use the big theory attitudes not just for my patients, but for the family members as well. And so what what the what the family gains, even if it is a bad prognosis, can actually be used in their life mm-hmm. for the future. And it can actually inform them, it can actually guide them in a certain path that they weren't planning to pursue. I want to, uh, we've got like 10, ten seconds left. <laughs> I want oh, to get no. the website in. Yeah, goes by fast. MyDoctoreB.com. MyDoctoreB.com is the website that is correct. to connect with Dr. Sophia Edwards Bennett. Dr. Yeah. Uh, Edwards Bennett, this was amazing and uh, oh. it does go by so incredibly oh, no. fast. Hopefully, oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> it's so that was a much quick 30 more. Minutes. I wanted to. Uh, well, we'll have to so definitely have you come back, and uh, oh, we can expand definitely. some more. That would be a uh, an honor and a and pleasure. But um, again, for those listening who would like to connect further, www.mydoctoreb.com. This episode mm-hmm. is re- uh, recorded in its entirety and will be archived, so folks will be able to listen to it uh, in its entirety in full. Uh, later as well. Thanks for joining us, Dr. E.B. It was really a pleasure. I hope we chat some more down the line. Thank you, Jim. It was a pleasure for me as well. Thank you so much. You are welcome. You are welcome. Um, And again, by DrEB.com. Also on YouTube, YouTube youtube.com forward slash C forward slash, and I'll spell it out, R-E-V-O-X-Y, and then the word life, L-I-F-E. You take care, you be well, and uh, we'll chat again down the line. I would look forward to that. Thank you, and thank you for all all of the audience listening. Thank you so much for your attention. You're very welcome. Enjoy the rest of your day, Doctor. And you as well, everybody. Your host, Jim Masters, here thanking you for your time this time till next time. Stay tuned. I'll be back in just a few minutes with another amazing guest from around the world celebrated right here on Close Up Radio. Till then, for all of us, take care and be well and have a terrific day. 
You have been listening to a broadcast from Close Up Radio, a division of Close Up Television Incorporated. For more information about our show and to be considered for future broadcasts, please visit CloseUpTelevision.com. You may also learn about us on social media and listen to us on podcast and internet radio. Thank you for joining us, and we hope that you have an empowered and productive day. Thank you.